0: Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we're talking about juicing, which when we've mentioned that we're talking about juicing this week to coworkers Mm -hmm. of ours, they've all given us a look and assumed that we're talking about steroids.
1: Oh, we're not. Oh, Oh, darn
0: it. Are you going to roid out,
1: Caroline? Yeah. I, I took all of those steroids just in preparation for
0: this episode, Kristen. Caroline is about to burst out of her cardigan.
1: Yeah, well, I know. I'm wearing I'm wearing my typical everyday cardigan over my leotard. Um, I've got my my barbells in the corner, but um, oh well. Oh well. I guess we'll just talk about fruit juices and, and, and vegetables. Oh, vegetable juices as well. Kale. We're we're going to exclusively talk about kale. Yeah.
0: Now, Caroline, I didn't realize until I really started thinking about this whole juice culture Mm -hmm. that I've kind of bought into it a little bit. Okay. Because one of my favorite things to do, and it is probably the waspiest thing that I like to do. Okay. But on Saturdays, when I am able to, I like to take my morning yoga class, and then I go over to a little shop around the corner called Kale Me Crazy. (gasps) Friends, as soon as I saw Kale Me Crazy was opening, I was like, that's going to be a place where I would like to go, because it's a pun, and there's <laughs> kale involved, and juice. And I get myself a $7 juice, and I know it's ridiculous. I know it's crazy. Literally, Kale Me kale me Crazy. I'm paying I, we are. $7 for a juice, but it's uh, delicious and refreshing, and just like a little treat for myself. And then, yes, it continues, Caroline. Okay. I now drink juice almost every morning Mm -hmm. because my dear fiancé was gifted, by his request, a Nutribullet and no... This episode was not sponsored by Nutribullet, but I can tell you that those things are great. They're so easy
1: to yeah. make. How? Well, now, wait a second, because I have witnessed, um, people juicing and not in the steroid way, and they have the, look the, the contraption in their kitchen, yeah. and it can take them, like, hours out of their day to, like, feed all of this stuff into the juice machine. So, how, is a Nutribullet, does that take your fiance person forever?
0: Well, It takes the fiance person not long at all because there is a difference between an actual juicer. We're not actually like getting the ju extracting the juice from the fruits and and veggies. Blending. It's really just like a kale smoothie. A kale smoothie, yeah. Okay. And he loves it. And because we're in love, he makes
1: one large (laughs) enough for the both of us. I make the coffee. That's the worst best thing I've ever heard. Or the best worst. I don't know. It's delicious. I, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. No, I don't, um, I don't make my own juices. Uh, I, my boyfriend used to, but I think he just like fell off the juice wagon because of the prep involved. Deal breaker. Deal breaker, ladies. <laughs> Deal breaker for Kristen. <laughs> Kristen is breaking up with my boyfriend. <laughs> don't worry. We're fine. Uh, no, I, I do, I love, um, some fresh Juices. I do try to watch the sugar intake. There's a place in Atlanta called Arden's Garden that I love. Um, I do the grand slam to ward off like colds and icky feelings.
0: Sounds like some pseudoscience. I,
1: well, yes, exactly. And you just summed up this episode, Kristen. And now for listener mail. <laughs> no, but there is, there is a, I have a, a, an equivalent to like Kale Me Crazy. I, I don't go. There, but there's this place around the corner from my apartment that does have like incredibly expensive juices in the glass bottle, you know, Mm -hmm. and you walk in and you're like, am I walking into some sort of like dance club? It's all everything's like very sleek and modern and shiny. I love that, though. Yeah. And then the, the person behind the counter is like appropriately dismissive, not too much, but just enough. And so then you shell out like half your paycheck for a couple of juices and. By then the placebo effect is just like pumping through your veins. So let's talk about this
0: broader juicing culture that's happening, Mm -hmm. because we talked a while back now on the podcast about the whole concept of detoxing. Like after the holidays, everyone makes a New Year's resolution to drink like nothing but apple cider vinegar for two weeks or something like that and quote unquote detox their body. I actually don't think that's a real detox, but you know what I mean. Um, But now there's this whole juicing thing happening. And it's not just about the juice and about the nutrition, but also
1: about the status attached to it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that it takes you seven dollars to buy a kale smoothie, Kristen, and the fact that it takes me like unknown thousands of dollars to buy one single bottle in a glass
0: but I will pat my 30-year-old self on the back for spending $7 on that kale smoothie instead of the $7 on a, a vodka soda,
1: <laughs> like my 25-year-old oh. self would have. Oh, okay. You're sticking to the liquid theme. I was already on cheeseburgers. I guess it is around lunchtime for us. Oh, no. I'd still pat myself on the back for that
0: $7 well spent on a burger. Mmm, protein.
1: Yeah, well, protein's another thing that we will get into in this episode. But the whole thing about not getting protein when you're on a juice cleanse is that stereotypically and historically, it's just been juice. And juice. so there is no protein. And I found the culture, the origins of juice cleanse and juice fasting culture fascinating. It's not that it's hypergendered, It's just kind of... Hyper weird. And it starts in the 1930s with an alternative
0: health practitioner and liver cirrhosis sufferer named Norman Walker. And he invented the cold pressed Norwalk juicer, which the first time I read Norwalk juicer, I just thought of those Nordic tricks. You know, those oh, yeah. machines that all of our parents bought and never oh, used. Sure. Um, and he encouraged drinking raw fruit and vegetable juices for better health, which seems like a good idea.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, though, because he preached self-transformation through vegetable juices in California, Nat. Um But as much as he was preaching this, it's funny because you can pick out trends. Kristen, he did not mention kale once. He still thought kale was just a garnish. Who knew? Um, also popular around this time is Gerson Therapy, which is a dietary and juice-based treatment in heavy, heavy air quotes for cancer and chronic diseases. They use the same logic, basically, as juice cleanses now, that your body is full of toxins. You've got to clean it out. Uh, oh, but also this process involved getting enemas of coffee, castor oil, and sometimes hydrogen peroxide or ozone. But it's interesting that it was disproven back in 1947. So this was in the 30s, but by 1947, people were already like, guys, guys, what are you doing? Just have a salad. Like, this is crazy.
0: Well, it was also in the 1940s that a naturopath named Stanley Burroughs introduced the master cleanse to, quote, unquote, naturally detox the body. And if master cleanse sounds familiar, it's the one that Beyonce and other people have touted. Oh, yeah. Which is the lemon juice, cayenne pepper. And what else is in it? Maple syrup and maple syrup. That's right. Combo that you just drink. And that's really all you need. And apparently, if you drink it long enough, then you'll start to feel really euphoric, but it's just because your body is, like, eating itself from the inside.
1: Yeah, no, that's not a joke. Uh, yeah, this is it's a 10-day liquid diet, but let's be honest and call it a fast. Although, apparently, you can do it up to 40 days, which Burroughs helpfully points out is how long Jesus fasted. But Caroline, he's the Lord and Savior. He doesn't need food. <laughs> he certainly does not need kale. Uh, but don't forget the laxatives, everyone, because it's not enough to just punish your body with imbibing nothing but lemon juice, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup, you also have to drink laxative tea at night. And so at that point, it's like, well, why bother with the drink? Just <laughs> if you're developing an eating disorder, uh, seek help. Um And it was supposed to cure stomach ulcers, help you lose weight. Uh, Burroughs thought that disease, old age, and death were just the result of having accumulated poisons and congestion throughout the entire body and juicing also has a a criminal past burroughs specifically does he was eventually convicted of practicing medicine without a license and people you might be happy to know his second degree murder conviction was reduced to involuntary manslaughter he uh, was convicted for treating a leukemia patient who was desperately seeking some type of cure uh, to live longer and st- I think stopped pursuing regular medical treatment. Obviously that's that's up to you if you want to do that, but you know, Burroughs paid the price for it.
0: Talk about a dark past for the Master Cleanse, Um, but that was no matter to Scientologist entrepreneur Peter Glickman, who in the 1990s repackaged the Master Cleanse as the lemonade diet. Oh, it sounds so pleasant. And I wonder if this Scientology connection is part of why juicing is so ubiquitous in Hollywood today. Side theory. Um, But Glickman's purpose was exactly the same, the whole concept of eliminating toxins and poisons from the body, washing out your digestive system, and getting rid of addictions to drugs, alcohol, junk food, and caffeine. Um, And he claimed that any uncomfortable side effects, including, I'm assuming, hunger, Oh, just meant that you were super toxic pre-cleanse. So it's just your body flushing things
1: out. Of course, it's going to hurt a little bit. Heavy eye roll. Uh, by the 1970s, juicing is part of hippie health crazes. It's not mainstream, but it's very common to a certain subset of the population. But by the 90s, it's definitely part of that vegan and superfood trend. And hey, you get a natural high. Everything's great. Let's do things in the 90s like wear Empire waist dresses and Doc Martens and have our juice. The 90s is back in I full know. force. It sure is. Um But if you
0: look at any history of this juicing trend, you always get religious citations Mm -hmm. because, like you mentioned, this isn't so much a diet, but really a fast. You have Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, all of whom fasted at some point for religious reasons. Although, of course, in religious fasting, spiritual fasting, depriving yourself of food is about connecting yourself to your spirituality, to a deity, et cetera, cultivating that devotion and self-control yeah. rather than just trying to lose weight quick or take your intestines through to the car wash, so to speak. <laughs>
1: God, that is exactly what I picture. Um, well actually, for some reason, I picture like, dish soap going through, or like the pink stuff from Ghostbusters going yeah. through your intestines. Um, but yeah, the religious fasts are definitely also about atoning for greed or gluttony. It's a form of discipline. And you get plenty of people today who do juice fasts, or the more pleasant term, juice cleanses. Um, but, you know, saying that they're doing it as a form of self-control, too, and it's like... Or, you know, maybe you're just trying to um, lose weight and not Claim that, maybe. And
0: it's very popular among celebrities. The Master Cleanse specifically, you have people like Jared Leto, Demi Moore, Beyonce, whom we mentioned. And Beyonce, for instance, famously lost 20 pounds in two weeks for her Dreamgirls role. And she attributed that to the Master Cleanse.
1: But I mean, so obviously if we're citing Beyonce, which we are. Uh, juice fasts and juice cleanses are not just some underground hippie craze anymore of the 60s. This stuff is big business, especially among a certain subset of the population, which I'll just refer to as like the Pilates crowd. Ooh, Pilates Pure Bar, Soul Cycle. Yeah, Kristen leaving yoga. Yeah, exactly. I am part of the crowd.
0: You're part of the problem. I'm <laughs> part of the juice problem. <laughs> um, the LA Times in January 2015 reported that the cold pressed juice market is estimated to rake in $100 million a year. And <laughs> no surprise there. You're charging 7 to $8 a pop. And that cold pressed, refers to chopping and mashing the fruits and vegetables without heat in order to maintain its
1: nutrient value. You're just pressing it real hard. Really hard. It's real hard. Uh, the fancy juice industry in general is worth more like two billion a year. So that's taking into account all different types of juices and smoothies. And it's also worth pointing out that there are more in this, in this country of 50 states, uh, there are more than 6,000 juice bars or boutiques as you might call them. Across the country. And it's big
0: business now for big corporations because you now have fast food restaurants offering their smoothies, which contain how much fruit? Who's to say? Who's to say,
1: really? (laughs) Who really wants fruit?
0: And then you have Starbucks, Mm -hmm. which recently bought the juice company Evolution Fresh for a cool 30 mil. And Coke has a 90% share in innocent Drink. So everybody's eating in on the juice cash.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned fast food restaurants, Kristen. They're sort of like the gateway. Fast food smoothies are sort of the gateway drug into juicing culture. It turns out that those smoothies with who knows how much actual nutritional value at fast food restaurants make up 39 percent of the juice and smoothie bar market.
0: Now, there have been some dips in the 100% juice products because some people have been like, hey, wait, there's a lot of sugar in these juices. Is that so healthy? Because obviously these kinds of sweeter fruits that are being juiced contain a lot of fructose, so you have high sugar levels. Um, But those vegetable and veg fruit juice blends are booming, though they are a much smaller share of the market.
1: Well, so speaking of market shares and money and percent signs, my favorite three things, let's talk about dollar signs, because wealth is basically (laughs) like disposable income is basically a prerequisite to participate in the juicing culture. And I'm not talking about you're picking up a seven kale drink on the way out of yoga once a week, Kristen. Sure, I, I sense a little bit of shaming undertones <laughs> in that. Absolutely not. What I'm talking about is the actual, like, you're committed to this as a lifestyle. You probably go on many cleanses or juice fasts to sort of, quote unquote, clean yourself out. Uh, but you have to have a certain amount, like I said, of disposable income because buying yourself a juicer... Sure, you can get one for a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, but it can run you up to twenty five hundred dollars to get yourself a home juicer. Yeah. And not to mention all
0: the time if you're actually juicing your own stuff that it takes. Um, But if you go to a store, each bottle can cost up to ten dollars. You have entire juice programs that we'll talk about in more detail that run you up into the hundreds um, and this also reminds me side note Caroline of when Whole Foods <laughs> became a laughing stock um, as they kind of do sometimes when they were selling the asparagus water uh-huh. for I think it was five dollars plus in some of their stores where it was just water enriched
1: with asparagus mm. wasn't it asparagus yeah yeah just I mean this is this it's is my the favorite level. it's my favorite cocktail I just pour some water. It's been distilled in the mountains, and I just stick an asparagus spear in it. Oof, mm. Delish. Can't <laughs> wait to go to your next cocktail party. But, yeah, we have a lot of fun, and by we, I mean just myself and the asparagus. Um, but you would think, like, with how pricey this stuff is, that it would be really off-putting. Like, I know that I don't go to the smoothie place or the um, the juice place all the time, because it can be pricey, and plus... It helps to drink water as well. Uh, but this doesn't put off too many people. According to consultant Andrew Freeman, who talked to the LA Times, he says, juice drinkers are willing to pay for quality to be in the know. We've come a long way from Tang. Thanks for the shout out to Tang. Uh, so basically, he's, he's telling us point blank that this is about being part of a cool kids club. The whole like juicing, I'm going to run over in my yoga pants and pick up my, like, week's worth of juice fast products. It's totally part of a, like... Kind of a, a popular kids, rich kids club. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do feel like a well-heeled basic when I <laughs> walk out of Kill Me Crazy, freshly yoga I'm glad I wasn't the only podcaster in this room who <laughs> was reminded of our, our Basic Bees episode when I was reading this stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're so right, though, that there are definitely
0: class implications to it, because people who tend to be represented in these juicing conversations are usually white, and specifically white, upper-class women.
1: And that's not to say that women of color or people of color aren't juicing. Obviously, that would be a ridiculous statement. We, we saw one blog entry from SheTroyt, uh, which is Detroit with the D crossed off and, and she written over it. Detroit uh, blogger Kayla uh, feels like she has to convince people that drinking green juice is healthy and smart. And she was saying that, you know, I really don't encounter that many other women of color who juice. And she was saying that she wished she could be walking around with her jar of green juice and like lock eyes with another woman of color who's also carrying a smoothie around and be like, yeah, this is delicious, rather than feeling like she has to convince friends and family, that this is actually healthy and worthwhile. Yeah, and, and David Lieberman, blogging over at OC
0: Weekly, made an interesting observation as well that I had thought about, actually, at my local farmer's market. I'm so white in this episode. <laughs> so white. It's cool, though. Um, he said that, you know, it's ridiculous how uh, you know, ladies like myself will spend, you know, 7 $8 for a single serving at Kill Me Crazy But if you go to your farmer's market or just like any kind of international food store, even your international section and your larger grocery stores, you will have these, quote unquote, exotic juices that are quite affordable. They're just from international labels. I mean, that's (laughs) Caroline. That's how I get my mango juice. <laughs> like at yeah, the farmers market it's like a dollar fifty because it's in a box and it's just a, it's not a fancy brand.
1: Well Lieberman also posited that there are people out there who wouldn't even want to go to an international farmers market setting to buy a similar juice to the one that they're selling ten bucks. Exactly. that, That they're sort of almost paying for the experience of going to Whole Foods in their yoga gear and buying that expensive juice around their other yoga taking peers. Well, and there might be the motivation, too, for
0: it to be fresh pressed and not, you know, having been pressed and then shipped and then sitting on well, a he, shelf.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, but he also talks about how he went to like one of his local markets near his house and the woman behind the counter was like, "Oh, what do you want?" Okay, cool. And she actually took the carrots and the beets and the whatever and and blended them right in front of him.
0: So it does seem like some of this juice craze has been borrowed perhaps from other cultures. I mean, there are Latin restaurants in Atlanta, for instance, that are known for their juices, and they've been juicing for forever. Mm -hmm. But now we see these like specialized, more white clientele boutiques that do a similar kind of thing, but they just... Jack up the price.
1: Don't worry, white people. You don't have to go into an international market. Just go to Whole Foods where you're comfortable. I mean, Caroline, kill me crazy is just simply convenient to where I take (laughs) yoga.
0: I promise. Um, But what's also interesting to see are these theories about how part of the success of juicing today is all attributed to our busy lives. Like, we literally don't have time to eat. So just drink it down on the go.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. So I have to, full disclosure here. Um, I know a woman who was quoted in the LA Times article from January 2015. Uh, her name's Alexis Schultz and she co founded the juice chain Nectar, which is based out of California, but it's also in Arizona and Texas. Uh, Alexis says that it's accessible for people who try to get their fruits and vegetables in, but who say, I just don't have time to sit down and eat a salad. And to me, that just sounds like the people who say they don't like the taste of water. You know, it's like, what? Really? Are we that, are we that busy? I mean, but this is a sentiment you see echoed in lots of articles about juicing that like, uh, New York is so fast paced. We can't slow down. We have to be skinny and drinking juice on the run. It fits in with our culture. But here in Atlanta, you can sit down
0: and eat yourself a whole apple if you like. <laughs> Maybe even a banana.
1: (laughs) All the peeling. That's crazy. And
0: there's a whole argument, too, of juicing as a quick fix for feeling tired and run down. But again, that's all part of this whole, we're so busy, we can't even prepare food. So we're busy, we're tired, we're Mm -hmm. juicing. It sounds like we're just kind of on a treadmill, so to speak.
1: Well, we could just be tired of those previous fake fixes, you know, like I know that my parents in the nineties, the entire kitchen was stocked with snack wells.
0: When I was a kid, Caroline, I would see those snack wells and I saw the commercials and I knew that they were low fat to fat free. And I was way too conscious about that stuff when I was a kid, when I would go grocery shopping with my mom, I would beg her to buy snack wells. She would be like, that is ridiculous. I'll make you a cookie.
1: And then the poop chips.
0: Yeah. Wow. Chips. I also was really excited about those. Like I was like, finally, fat free chips. And again, my mom, stuff my mom did tell me, no, I'm not buying you those. They'll make you
1: poop. Well, no, it's just funny because like in my house, my dad had a heart attack when I was in fifth grade. And so all of a sudden, like everything in the house had to be fat free, which is so funny to think about, because like I I don't want to tell you how to live your life, people, but. You know, the the focus maybe should be on more like whole foods and fruits and vegetables. Not Whole foods, not the grocery store. I mean, like, literally whole, whole foods. No, I think that's just some sneaky marketing, Caroline. But I get it. Things that are full of nutrients, not
0: just replacing cookies with other cookies. So, in a way, then, you could argue that, you know, at least this trend is better than a Snackwell's cookie.
1: Well, I think, uh, yeah. And I think if you're smart about it, it can be. If you're just drinking, like... Apple and pear juice, no, because who was it in one source we were reading about that was like you might as well just call that the Toblerone diet if you're just drinking juice like sugar laden juice all the time. If you're smart about it and you're drinking something as a supplement, maybe uh, maybe a maybe a kale kaleful juice that your fiance makes in the morning. Maybe a kaleful mm-hmm. juice. Maybe something with with protein in it so that you're not. Su- starving to death and lashing out at your coworkers. I mean, I don't do that. I don't have to worry about not eating, <laughs> but there are plenty of celebrities who advocate the more extreme stuff, the actual cleanses and fasts, as opposed to just like picking yourself up a healthy juice to supplement a breakfast or something. And the variety of these different kinds of
0: juicing programs that seem to all involve very similar kinds of juices kind of goes to show just how... Big, this industry's gotten. I mean, way back when, Oprah did the 21 day cleanse, but now you have people like Gwyneth Paltrow and Alicia Silverstone who are all about something called Organic Avenue, while Mariska Hargaday is all about the clean program. And then finally, Salma Hayek helps start Cooler Cleanse. And they, it, it's all the same kind of thing where you buy these almost juice packs for your day or week where you have like, X number of juices that you drink throughout the day Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways it replaces food.
1: Yeah, and there's another one called Blueprint Cleanse, which is one that Sarah Jessica Parker does that also involves getting colonics, which reminded me of the Master Cleanse, which like, oh yeah, just drink this this lemon water, but also take your laxatives, ladies. Uh, Blueprint Cleanse scares me a little because they made a shady, like kind of not quite direct claim that, quote, clients who have more serious cases or are using Blueprint Cleanse in cancer therapy have continued on a cleanse indefinitely until they are healed. And so that gives me all of the gross feels that they are potentially trying to paint juice drinkers as being literally healed of their diseases by juice. Um, BPC's founders sold this company in 2012 for $25 million. This is huge business, but this is also the same regimen that Judith Newman followed for her hilarious New York Times piece in October of 2010. She says, a month ago, I went on a juice cleanse. You know what it cleans out of you? The will to live. Because these things you're not, you're not eating. Like you said, you're getting these packs of juice for however many days or a week or whatever. And you're just supposed to kind of deal with feeling awful until you hit that, like, hangry euphoria. Yeah. And having
0: gone through that cleanse, Newman's theory is that juices are popular because it's convenient and comforting in a way, in addition to being chic and on trend. So again, you, it is a status symbol.
1: And yeah, she's also specifically referring to these programs where you have it shipped to you or you pick it up or whatever, hence the convenience, not buying yourself a bullet or a, a Norwalk juicer and juicing everything yourself at home.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's pretty clear by this point that we are skeptics of not just the essence of juicing. There's nothing wrong with having juice, but this idea that juicing can truly detoxify your body and is something that we really need to have to make sure that we're ship shape inside and out. And we're going to talk about the science of that when we come right back from a quick break.
1: Okay. So you, you sort of picked up on how Kristen and I feel about juice cleanse culture um, I'm a part of it. You, you're, yes. Slightly. As, we, as we've established, Kristen, well, I am too. We're, I'm on the margins. We are I'd on the say. margins. But you're, okay, here's the thing, though. You are not giving up your entire diet. Uh, like, you're not stopping eating and just drinking lemon water. No,
0: no. It's something that I will have uh, in the morning as part of breakfast or after I bike home from work or go on a run to recharge me.
1: Yeah. No. And I like I like a good, healthy juice with like a granola bar or something as a breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's a breakfast option. It's a good breakfast option. But in terms of those juice cleanses that are so all the rage among celebrities, female celebrities, you don't hear about too many men doing mm-hmm. juice cleanses. Uh, most health professionals you hear from will at best say they are a waste of time. Uh, Michael Gershon, who's a pathology and cell biology professor at Columbia University, told New Republic that cleanses and their partners in crime, colonics, are about as valid a like life method as self-flagellation by monks who would be trying to avoid the plague. Like, if I just punish myself enough, I won't die of the plague. Tell us how you really feel, Gershon. Although, I mean, that is the tone of
0: most... Doctors and scientists like when they're asked about juicing, yeah. it's kind of like, oh no, no, please no. Because the thing that juice leaves out that you talked about earlier in the podcast, Caroline, is The fact that we need protein to fill us up and maintain our metabolism. So doctor and documentarian Michael Mosley said, quote, unless you have adequate amounts of it, it being protein, within 24 hours, your body starts to cannibalize itself and get protein from your muscles. Obviously, your juice diet has zero protein, so you might lose a little bit of fat, but You're also going to start losing muscle. And if you lose your muscle, then your metabolic rate is going to go down. So uh, that
1: doesn't really seem like it's going to pay off in the long run. You're sort of shooting yourself in the foot. But, I mean, how is that different then from any of the, like... Diets from the 90s that we now know are unhealthy. Things that involve crash dieting and losing a bunch of weight all at once only to gain it all back. It's, it's all deprivation in the name of trying to be healthy but really trying to lose weight. And is it any better for us? Is drinking juice, whether it's vegetable juice, fruit juice, a mix of the two, is it any better than just Having a salad, like, yes, you get several pounds of the fruits and vegetables in your smoothie. But is it any better? Does it help us actually absorb whatever nutrients and minerals and vitamins are in the food any better? It's something that Lisa Sussman, who's the author of the Cold Press Juice Bible, says the jury is still out on. She's like, who knows if it's easier to get nutrients in liquid form you know, or if there's any advantage in giving your digestive system a break from working on fiber, and of course other health professionals are like, no, there, what? No, there's no such thing as giving your body a break from fiber. Don't be ridiculous. Who is this jury
0: who's still out? Um, yeah, Dana Huns, who's a senior dietitian at the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center, said that yeah, it's healthier to eat food and get that fiber and other things. Like it's good for your body to to chew some food and have to break down some cellulose and other fun things as you digest.
1: Yeah, and plus you need, as Robert Lustig, the author of Fat Chance, The Hidden Truth About Sugar, Obesity and Disease, said, it's good to have both soluble and insoluble fiber. When they're eaten together, these two types work together to slow that absorption of sugar so you're not getting like a total gut punch. fruit sugar all at once and because it's important to keep in mind people that one 16 ounce bottle of juice can run you like 200 calories so you're getting this big hit of sugar you're getting a bunch of acid that could wear down the enamel of your teeth and if you're thinking that you're just like going to drink juice instead of coke and that it's going to be better for you well that's still like a huge hit of calories so if you are trying to diet You're not exactly cutting back by drinking juice. But if you
0: are exclusively drinking juice, if you are eliminating food from your diet and subbing it with juice, then and going on a so-called cleanse. Yeah, you might you might drop some pounds, but you're also really going to stress out your body, especially if you have conditions like diabetes, heart or kidney disease, or digestive issues, because this tinkers with your electrolyte and blood sugar balance. It's going to get that all out of whack, and you can experience vitamin and mineral deficiencies and muscle breakdowns. And not to mention, your body can go into starvation mode. Oh, and even if you do lose a bunch of weight from your juice cleanse slash not eating, you're going to gain it right back as soon as you introduce solid foods.
1: Yeah, and there's something, uh, there's this issue of ketosis that comes up a lot when you read about diets like this. I've read about it in trying to study uh, Hashimoto's disease, which I have, um, but... So, you know, that euphoric feeling that people on juice fasts tend to report like, oh, my God, I got to day four and I'm seeing angels. It's amazing. Well, it could be a placebo effect or just plain run of the mill hallucination. Um, or it could actually be your body going into survival mode if you're not getting enough calories and carbohydrates. So basically, your body creates these things called ketones as it burns fat rather than carbohydrates for energy. Too much of this can lead to dehydration. Not a big deal. I'll just drink some water. Well, it can also alter the chemical balance of your blood and even lead to a coma. And this is a normal, yes, ketosis is part of a normal body process, but it can really screw you up if you're diabetic. This is not something you just want to embark on by yourself without consulting a doctor, especially if you have some of those pre-existing health conditions that Kristen mentioned.
0: And you often hear this idea of letting your insides rest, that it's good to drink exclusively juice because you need to give your large intestine a break. But that's not a thing, the idea of gut rest, because your body functions better with a consistent stream of nutrient and fiber-rich foods. So depriving it can actually make the colon's nerves and muscles stop functioning. And that could lead to something called irreversible constipation. Mm-hmm. Which sounds awful. I mean how do celebrities do it, Caroline? I I Oh yeah, they also have like trainers and dietitians and Yeah, they have a staff. They have a staff. Some people
1: why can't we have staffs? I ask myself that every day. Um but the whole thing about experiencing these colon problems when you're on a juice fast is that it can also, these are also problems that people with eating disorders see, things like anorexia. And that is a big issue when you get down to the nitty gritty of talking about juice cleanses and juice fasts because embarking on this sort of disciplined deprivation regimen can really stress your relationship with food. It can foster or further a disordered relationship With food. And this is something that Linda Antonoro, a nutrition specialist at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, pointed out. She says, there's certainly commonalities if we consider who is likely to develop an eating disorder and who is likely to undergo a cleanse. The diets seem compulsive and perhaps addictive. The restrictive tone is the same. And she goes on to say that
0: it worries her how juicers might quote unquote get hooked on that immediate gratification of weight loss because mm-hmm. you I mean you you do kind of see those not insta results but after a couple of weeks results sure and suddenly you can fit into those clothes that you wanted to um and Pauline Powers who's the head of the scientific advisory committee for the Global Foundation for Eating Disorders has even stronger words for juice cleansing calling it quote the perfect pathway to disordered eating.
1: Because think about it. You're being so disciplined. You're being exhibiting so much willpower and self-control, not so differently from people in ancient cultures who would fast for religious purposes. But these eating disorder experts were talking about this sense of superiority that comes from controlling your diet in this way that it almost becomes a part of your identity, whether it's regular cleansing or actual eating disorders. That makes this whole culture hard to escape. But the thing is, people don't approve of anorexia on a social level. Cleansing, juice cleansing and juice fasts are so socially acceptable. Yeah. I mean, you're almost rewarded for it. Yeah. Oh, I did the master cleanse. How did you do it? That's amazing.
0: Look at all the weight you lost. Good for you. Oh, wait. I was only subsisting on lemon juice for 21 days. Yeah. Yeah. Or how is it? Twenty one days. It's ten. Ten days. Up to
1: forty. Okay. So twenty one could 21 potentially would be correct. Yeah.
0: And writing about this over at The Cut, Vanessa Gregoriata said, "Food is a focus of an enormous amount of modern moralism, and it's it gets at all of the stuff that we're talking about, where we have equated health and thinness." And we reward it. And especially when you have that self-control element Mm -hmm. added to it, where it's like, I go to my soul cycle class and then I juice and then I'm not doing much beyond that to supplement my body. And there's nothing wrong in its essence with consuming a juice, going to a fitness class, whatever it might be, trying to have a healthy lifestyle. But I do think that we you know, can get ourselves into a very disordered relationship if we're not careful with how we're monitoring our bodies.
1: Yeah, and she also pointed out that it has a lot to do. The idea of, like, washing out our insides with, like, pink sludge She says that that ties into this very American idea of hygiene. You know, we spend more money than anybody else on soaps and antibacterial products and things like that. And this idea of like, I'm going to be healthy because I'm going to be thin. And because I'm thin, that makes me good and self-control and clean. I'm going to be so clean on the inside. Never mind the fact that your body is covered in bajillions of bacteria just naturally. And it reminds me of Judith Newman, calling
0: juice cleansing comforting Mm -hmm. because the way I've heard it talked about anecdotally among girlfriends of mine is it always comes on the heels of some kind of bender, Mm -hmm. whether it's been the holidays and you've eaten too much, everyone's having a party. So afterwards, you just need to clean out your body Mm -hmm. or someone who's just been You've just, you've just been eating and drinking too much and consuming a lot of booze, even perhaps consuming a lot of drugs. Well, what is the solution? What is the way for you to feel good about yourself again? Exercise that willpower and go on a cleanse and flush out those toxins, which that it's
1: not actually what
0: happens. That's
1: not how that works. That's one of the biggest bones that health professionals have to pick with this whole cleanse culture. It's this idea of quote-unquote toxins. It's the same thing that we've seen forever in our culture of of like snake oil salesmen trying to convince you of how unhealthy your lifestyle is and how you need their product. And it's funny too because you see the language that so many people who are trying to sell you juices and juicers so much of the language that they use is like, watch out what people are trying to sell you. If somebody's just trying to make money off of you, pay attention to what it is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah, you're doing that, too, because you've got people like the food babe who's trying to sell. She's a total nut job. She's trying to sell you meal plans and supplements. But she's also trying to convince you that, like, the same stuff that's in your yoga mats in your bread. And it's like. Lady, there's more to it than that. She, there's a lot of people out there who are just spouting all of this pseudoscience to scare you into buying products. And part of that is talking about toxins. Yeah, because these cleanses will tout
0: its ability to flush toxins as if your body is a giant toilet um, and help the liver rest and also hit the reset button. On diseases, skin conditions, hormonal imbalances, brain fog, etc. And while, yes, eating better and like paying attention to how you're treating your body can certainly make you feel better and improve health conditions in your skin and things like that. But it's worth remembering that these juices also are likely to contain pesticides from non-organic produce. And your body also creates its own so-called toxins.
1: Yeah, this is coming from dietitian Tamara Duker Freeman at U.S. News and World Report. She talks about how the metabolic byproducts of foods we eat, like nitrosamines from processed meat preservatives or ammonia from protein, are floating around in your insides. They just happen. It's it's part of the metabolic process that certain byproducts are created. But you have an entire cleanup crew built into you to deal with these byproducts and turn them into safe things that can then be excreted. You mean we do have our own staff? We ah we do. I like to picture, like, the janitor from The Simpsons with the mustache and, like, the broom. And that's your kidneys. Yeah. oh, It's the weekend again. <laughs> Get out the broom. <laughs> Get ready. And if you want to be smart and you do want to quote-unquote detox, I'm using that again with heavy air quotes, what helps is not juice but fiber to clear out all that waste from the byproducts of the stuff you put in your body. Eat things like broccoli, cabbage, and cauliflower. These vegetables keep your liver swimming in a, quote, mega-potent detoxifier called glutathione. And also, just keeping your blood sugar levels low can do a solid for your kidney janitors. And if there's any kind
0: of self-control we need to be exerting over our diets, if you really want to cleanse yourself, it's cutting back on things like, Alcohol, caffeine, excess sugar, unhealthy fats, processed foods. I know all the things that make, you know, life really fun and delicious and intoxicating, literally.
1: Yeah, just drink lots of water, get lots of sleep, eat a balanced diet with plenty of fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains and healthy fats. I love a good avocado. Chrissy Teigen and I have that in common, if if nothing else. Um, and it's true that certain conditions can stress your liver. Obviously, we've talked about booze a couple times. Alcoholism, obesity and certain medications can really put a strain on your body as janitors on your little cleanup crew in there. And yes, that is when you should go to a doctor, get your liver enzymes tested and work on improving your overall health. A juice cleanse is not the way to go. Depriving yourself of vitamins and minerals just so that you can be like real hangry to the people around you is not the solution.
0: But if you do consume a juice as a supplement, mm-hmm. as a way to kind of kickstart getting more fruits and veggies and nutrients into your diet, then that's okay. But it needs to be obviously more of a holistic Approach rather than just a crash diet. Yeah. Because I mean, it's wild though, considering how long we've been sold this same crash diet, going all the way back to Norman Walker and God, Stanley Burroughs, he of the involuntary manslaughter charge. Yikes.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that using it as a supplement, like you said, especially if you're doing it at home, uh, with fruits and vegetables that you know where they came from and you've had control over what's going into your body. I mean, I think that's, that's great. That's, that's healthy. And especially if you're doing nothing but eating like, pretzels or cheetahs all day
0: long. Yeah, a juice could probably do you some good. I mean, fiancé dumps pretzels and bacon into our morning juices, <laughs> but, but it's fine. Delicious. just a little chunky. <laughs> it's delicious. Uh, I am completely kidding. But I'm really curious to know if there are any listeners, A, who are hooked on juices, and there will be no juice judgment because I am among you, uh, but also if there's anyone listening who works at a juice place, I just want to know firsthand your juice culture observations. I Mm -hmm. bet you see and overhear so many just very millennial conversations, for lack of a better term, right? I mean, so much Lululemon in your store always. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't... (laughs) That's not the picture of the juicer I have in my head. Who are you thinking? I have a picture in my head of someone who is uh, white female, like upper middle class, lots of disposable income, probably middle-aged.
0: Oh, middle-aged juicer. Well, we need to know. Write us your letters. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. Or you can simply tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now. So I've got a Facebook message here from Julia writing about our maternity fashion episode, and she writes, Hello CNC. I've loved the podcast for a few years now. You're honorary friends to me. I really was looking forward to the maternity fashion episode, but was a little disappointed that no mention was made of trans and gender queer folk. There are a few companies that are starting to serve the needs of communities that don't fit the stereotypical female presenting group, and I think it's very noteworthy. Butch Baby has been making a couple headlines, and individual tailors and clothing lines are popping up here and there on Cafe Press. I'm a femme and cis myself, but a couple of trans men and genderqueer friends recently got pregnant, and as you said in the podcast, identity is really important during this time, especially so for people whose identity falls outside of social assumptions. For them, flowy blouses and dresses not only clash with their style, but display an identity that they may have been trying to distance themselves from for years. Anyway, I just really thought this part of maternity wear, or more broadly, pregnancy wear, deserves some attention, and hopefully the diversity of styles continues to grow. So thanks, Julia, for that insight.
1: And I have a letter here from Evelyn. Uh, she says, I just wanted to write in and relate how the choice of maternity wear for me has actually become something that is deep in my bond with my own mother and my grandmother as well. Since I grew to my adult height, I've stayed roughly the same size as my mom. The major difference has always been our bellies. She simply carried a bit more weight around the middle after having three kids, or at least that's what she always told me. I had the larger hips. So our strategies for dressing our bodies has always had some small differences, despite both being on the petite side. My maternal grandmother is also about the same size, although she's an inch or two shorter. This began to change once I began showing. When I started to feel a real need for maternity wear, my mother's maternal instincts to dress her daughter kicked in as they have not done since my adolescence, because this was one thing she knew, how to dress comfortably and elegantly around a belly. It began with loans of flowy shirts and dresses of which my mother owns plenty. She opened her closet to me and allowed me to pick whatever appealed to me. This was not as difficult as one would think since my mother remains, in her early 60s, a rather trendy woman. When my grandmother realized I'd begun accepting my mother's clothing, she didn't want to be left out either. Alas, the generation fashion gap was a little too wide to cross and I didn't end up absorbing as many pieces of clothing from her. But Grandma had another trick up her sleeve. Her prowess as a seamstress. She was never professional, but a mix of gender expectations in her generation and her own handiness with a needle meant she always altered her own clothing and that of her children. So she began altering items of clothing for me to make them more ample and more forgiving. Between loans and gifts from my mother and my grandmother, I definitely ended up saving a lot of money. Finally, when it reached the point where I just needed some pants and tights with more comfortable waistbands, I went to my first maternity shop with my mother, and she ended up buying as much as I did. She said the mix of comfort and style were rarely so well combined. I think what I've learned from this whole experience is that women's clothing before and after pregnancy is typically very unkind to women's bodies. Although, as your very informative podcast recounted, maternity wear was sometimes created to hide the unseemliness of pregnancy, it's also a very special genre of clothing that begins with the idea of accommodating the ergonomic needs of a woman's body. Before pregnancy, I don't think I had learned to be kind to my own body in the way that my mother had learned to be kind to hers in choosing a comfortable wardrobe that still reflected her personality. I still don't agree with my mother on everything, including my sense of fashion, but I feel much closer to her in a new way. This is definitely an unexpected side effect of maternity in many senses. Of the word.
0: So thanks, Evelyn. And thanks to everybody who's written in to us. Momstuff at Howstuffworks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts, including this one, so you can read more about the science or pseudoscience of juicing. Head on over to stuff never told